The end of the road. Now is the right time. Not alone in leaving. I have loved it. And foreign cannabis clout. I would strongly recommend Zimmer's vote no. Kia ora and welcome to One News Inside Parliament, a weekly catch-up where we discuss all of the political stories we've been covering at Parliament for One News this week. I'm Mikey Sherman. I'm Benedict Collins. And obviously the big story this week has been David Clark's resignation as well as uh, the America's Cup, actually, now that I think of it. Another big, big story. Fascinating. Um, yeah. Fascinating stuff, which we'll dive into a little bit shortly. But first, we start off with our pits and our peaks. Benedict, take us away. Hey, I think you guys, we'll, we'll start off with a bit of a um, chuckle today. Check this out. This was an exchange between... Um, Winston Peters and Jerry Brownlee yesterday in the house. You can't quite hear the interjection. I had to listen to it quite a few times from Jerry. Um, but he, I think he said he interjected and said the shovels are still in the shed. But check this out. Why won't the government, after multiple requests from the Auckland Council, confirm which shovel-ready projects it is funding so they can set their budget and their rates? On behalf of the Prime Minister, that's a marvellous question, actually. Because... Well, I know something. That member's never seen a shovel. (laughs) And it shows. I mean, anybody that's done any physical work, they keep that shape all their lives. Order, order, order. Order. That, and the member, well, he didn't, he might have started the interjections. He didn't take it down to that level. The Prime Minister will withdraw and apologise. I withdraw and apologise. Can I answer the question, Mr Speaker? A point of order, the Honourable Jerry Browning. Mr Speaker, I feel obliged to say that I have kept my shape all my life. <laughs> OK, anyway, so that was <laughs> that, that was quite enjoyable um, yesterday. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, yeah... Any um, any highlights at your side, Mikey? Yes, um, a, a few interesting things actually. The first is 2.5 million enrolment packs um, uh, have had to be put through the poor old shredder worth a million dollars because of a printing botch up. <laughs> so if you're waiting desperately for your enrolment pack, it's going to take a little bit, a little bit longer to get to you, and that's because, um, in terms of the euthanasia question, do you support the um, end of life choice bill? One of the um, possible answers was highlighted in bold, was printed in bold, yeah. and so you know you couldn't really have that, but, could you? So by the time they realised those, so it was that the electoral commission was organising the enrolment packs, but it was the Ministry of Justice doing the brochures on cannabis and the end-of-life choice bill. They made that mistake, but by the time they realised, they'd already inserted all the brochures, or many, several million of the um, brochures... 2.5 million. ..into, into those enrolment packs. All the enrolment packs got done, and another 3 million brochures were also like immediately immediately destroyed. You can't help but um, imagine there's someone sitting around somewhere with a uh, pretty red face after all of that. If not... Um uh, lining up um, at the Ministry of Social Development looking for a new job. Yeah. Because that's a bit of a big blunder. I mean, a million dollars. Holy moly. Um, one of the other interesting things this week to pop up, I thought, was David Carter's private members bill pulled from the ballot yesterday, and that um, is looking to um, uh, repeal um, and overturn Winston Peters' waka jumping bill. So that should be um, cause for some interesting debate. Yeah. Also, Todd Muller, um, yesterday he had a bit of a reshuffle after Paula Bennett. It's been a busy week, hasn't it? After she threw in the towel, um, 
earlier this week and decided she's going to retire and try and head it to private business. So he had a bit of a reshuffle. We had um, <clears throat> Simon Bridges come back in. He got the foreign um, foreign affairs portfolio that he'd wanted all along. Um, so that'll probably make him a bit of a happier camper. Um, and Dr. Shane Ressi comes up into that. Um, he gets associate drug reform. And I, I thought it was an interesting comment that you made this morning on your live breakfast cross Mikey you were saying I oh, you know a bit of a shame he didn't get the the main um, drug drug reform portfolio for national it's also interesting in that stand-up yesterday Todd Muller <coughs> spoke at length about um, about his views on why he's anti um, legalization and he he was basically saying he thinks every or he expects most national party MPs will will vote against it um, and then I asked him if he had ever smoked pot um, and here's we can um, play a little bit of the answer and we've uh, and uh, we followed up with a few other questions there too so check this out Sorry? me personally yeah. oh when I was at university a couple of times oh look um, I don't know who knows but I'm not look. I'm not going to go through the uh, um, the ins and outs of uh, um, the uh, referendum that's coming. I've got a personal view, and I've uh, uh, shared it. And look, that's no laughing matter. So we won't do any chuckles after that. Say no to drugs, um, or say yes. Depends how you're going to vote in the referendum. Not here to influence anyway. Yeah, but we so, digress. So both the national party leader and deputy leader both um, have used. You know, cannabis in the past. Mate, Just, this is New Zealand. I mean, I'd be surprised is. if um, anyone but over the age of 21 <coughs> hadn't tried it yet, well, to be we're, quite honest. We're going to talk about a bit more about cannabis a little bit later in our poll results. Hey, but let's let's have a look. David Clark, um, he, he finally basically fell on his sword. Um yesterday at Parliament. At about 10, just after 10.30, we got a press release saying that there was going to be uh, a, a press conference with the Minister in the Beehive Theatre at 11am. Um, there was no details around uh, what it was going to be, so you'll start to suspect, oh, he's going, he's going. <clears throat> and he did, it was interesting, he came in flanked by Grant Robertson and Chris Farfoy, two other, you know, very senior Labour um, ministers and, and colleagues of his and you know said basically he's becoming a distraction to the government and um, he felt he had to go and he felt that they were now on a stable enough footing in terms of the response to COVID-19 and the pandemic that was the right time for him to go. Yeah always really interesting to watch those because you just have to think you know behind the scenes um, how difficult um, those sorts of announcements would be for a person to publicly you know go on television and announce that yes you know I've stuffed up I'm stepping down it's not something Something that you know any of us would really have to do in our own personal day jobs, um, but um, interesting stuff, and some might say really timely. One of the most interesting things that I found yesterday, and usually we go out and we hit the streets and we ask people, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And nine out of ten people that we interviewed um, were like, "Yep, it was the right call. He's just, he's a distraction. He let the team of five million down." And, and then some of them said, "Look, how could he have thrown his mate under the bus?" And that just goes to show the at that a lot of New Zealanders have built up towards Ashley Bloomfield over this whole pandemic. And so I think that really was the nail in the coffin for David Clark last week, where he essentially, um, you know, threw Ashley under the bus while he was standing next to him. And that went viral on social media. People just came for him. And that's where you have to say the conversation got re-sparked because the Prime Minister said, mm. yes, he came to me at the end of last week, which was just, you know, the Thereafter, um, that incident took place, and and the public um, 
uh, eruption um, of disappointment and criticism happened. Um, and so he had the weekend, obviously, to gather himself and his thoughts, probably talk to his whānau. And then on Monday, um, uh, and, then, and then later this week, bang. Yeah. Well, mm. but I do, uh, and this is maybe a bit of an unpopular opinion, but I think it's, like, in a way it's bizarre, right, that ahead has rolled in New Zealand, the head of, you know, the health minister has had to resign when you look at the success of New Zealand when it comes to dealing with coronavirus. I mean, there's arguably Taiwan, but we're, there's us, we're like the one of the best countries in the in the entire world. This, does, this virus is just ravaging the rest of the planet. We've smacked it out of the park. We've done mm. so well, and yet he still goes. And, and you've got, you know... He's saying, oh, look, I've become a distraction. And the Prime Minister's saying, yeah, he was a distraction. Like, I get that. But at the same time, Labour's sitting somewhere between 50 and 59% in the polls. They're looking like governing at the moment. Like they could form a government by themselves yes. at the election and govern alone. They are incredibly popular. We've done incredibly well in terms of fighting the coronavirus and keeping it out. The few cases we're getting, we're catching it in managed isolation at the border. And yet we still one of your top health officials goes. The country smacked it out of the park. You know, there's all that talk about the team of five million. He, as the minister, put that at risk, though, going for that silly bike ride, then the trip to the beach. And the big thing for me, if we're going back now, now that we're looking back on it, the first... Um um, thing that really got me when that happened wasn't so much the bike ride because you know everyone was still getting used to to the rules. It was a little bit grey, you I, know. I, it was I, a bike see. ride. Hang on. And then when the statement came from his office, what I noticed straight away was no apology, no taking responsibility from the minister. And I literally put that in my story. I was like, you know, he apologised to the Prime Minister, but not to the public. And I think that's where the first mistake was made. You know, he just didn't grasp the severity of what he had done and how that was viewed in the eyes of the public. And they've never really forgiven him since. I think at the start, the rules were very grey. And I don't think he deliberately said, oh, hey, these, I'm going to go out here and break the rules. I think they were so grey. No one quite knew where the boundaries were and what you were exactly allowed to do or not. I mean, there's no... Yeah, and so but he could have been let off the should, hook, you, but you he should didn't apologise. Yeah, I rem- and I remember, you know, journalists just asking question oh, after question, is this allowed, is that not allowed? And, you know, on social media, people are like, stop asking these stupid questions, but it's, there are so many different things that you could possibly have done. Yeah, yeah but I, he didn't apologise and then deliberate. he didn't front for any interviews. Yeah. Then he was told, look, keep your head low, lay low. And they could have. They possibly could have ridden it out until the election. But then, you know, when you when you um, throw the guy who was fronting every day at one o'clock here at Parliament, um, you know, giving people the confidence and assurity that yeah. they needed, when you throw that guy under the bus, the hypocrisy was just too much, you know. And, I, and it was unnecessary for him to do that so you look he's gone um other interesting things though uh for him in terms of you know we've got an election coming up is the other thing we may have smacked coronavirus out of the park and we may be on top of it for now but he is still distracting distracting he's you know sucking up all of the political oxygen and Labour cannot have that going into the election and we're only a couple of weeks away from parliament um, rising and getting into that campaign mode so look let's just put a full stop on that um, distraction as the Prime Minister and David Clark said and um, move on. Yeah, and Chris Hipkins picking up another huge portfolio even if it is just for the next couple of months until the election. 
and thankfully so because it is a big portfolio and it's also got you know the major response needed to that health and disability um, sector review. Um, it does though play into the narrative from the National Party that Jacinda Ardern just lacks credible options around the cabinet table or even outside of cabinet to bring forward and fill in these roles mm. when they become available because now you do have a minister who's got two of the biggest portfolios um, around that table and also you've had to bring in Megan Woods um, to do the managed isolation. You could also argue perhaps the writing was on the wall even for David Clark back then, now that I look at it, a bit of a soft exit, if you like, um, sh shift in Megan Woods to take over managed isolation mm. under housing and MB um, and, and slowly, slowly the other guys backing out. See you later. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you also had a look this week at um, projects, some of the big projects that the government's rolling out, Mikey. What yes. can you tell us about that? Look, big stuff, $3 billion, huge money um, to basically kickstart the recovery from this COVID-19 pandemic for the country. And so we finally got a better picture of where all of that money would be spent and what sort of projects um, we could expect to see. Um, so yeah, look, big money going into all of the regions, Auckland getting a big share of that, around half a billion dollars of that going into Auckland, but everyone getting a little piece of the pie. Um, the big test for the government will be, you know, one of the one of the criteria were, was um, your project has to be able to get started within the year, you know, right. in order to see those that job creation and that um, stimulus of the economy. Easier said than done, though, right? And that's going to be the big test because they made big promises, as National would say, with Kiwi Build, with Light Rail, and yet lacking on delivery. And, you know, even though it's coming from, you know, uh, an outside party in terms of, you know, giving these contracts to third parties and whatever, and mm. it's on them, as we saw with Kiwi Build and Monarch, it also comes back on the government in terms of the money and the investment and all of that. So they really need to be writing these people to get these projects off the ground. Yeah. Also, I was, I was just reading in my local newspaper just the other day, it was, you know, as they announced all this money for new projects and stuff, it's like Transmission Gully, um, you know, in, in Wellington. There's, this has been going just for years now, and it seems even less clear when, when this major project's going to be finished, if it's going to get finished. You know, there seems to be all these sorts of problems. It's, yeah, it seems amazing they're pumping all this new money into new projects when, you know, projects... Get the that, original ones done. Yeah, that, that, you know, major projects are simply I know, because I was yet. coming back from a tangihanga on Sunday, and then obviously flying through, flying through, otaki, yeah. you know, bottleneck, everybody stuck in traffic. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we also um, a story I did this week that kind of led into a follow up as well. We um, so we, we ran our main political poll last week, uh, but this um, we did one of our supplementary questions that we did was asking about um, support for the cannabis referendum. Now came back forty nine percent of Kiwis uh, are currently thinking they're going to vote against um, uh, legalising cannabis. About forty percent were in favour. And, and the rest weren't sure. But there are a few interesting um, things that, that that are going on here. Um, so we, basically, the, the group that's campaigning for a no vote, they're called Smart Approaches to Marijuana, or SAM. And it's a it's a basically a group of New Zealand organisations like Family First, the Sensible Sentencing Trust, some people from the Muslim Association, Scientologists are also involved, as, as well as other people. But they've basically formed this group. 
But what they've done is they've aligned themselves with this major American lobby group of the same name, Sam, um, which basically goes around the United States, contesting state by state fighting against initiatives over there uh, to to legalise cannabis. Um, And and they've got a New Zealand spokesperson. So we sort of spoke to them. I also spoke to a uh, pro-legalisation group, Make It Right. And they felt that... um, basically make it right felt that this was foreign interference having this big american lobby group come in um and and support this new zealand group and also spoke to the head of um sam in the u.s as well had an interview with him um so sort of got both sides of the story and and sam u.s were like hey well we're just providing information around you know what what legal cannabis can do in the american experience We're, we're supplying that to our new zealand affiliate um down here in aotearoa um yeah, so there was a. They sort of explained their sides, but then the following day, I went and asked our politicians about what they thought of this American lobby group getting involved in New Zealand's referendum, and all of them were furious. Um, Andrew Little said this. You know, he thought it was really inappropriate for this American lobby group to get involved. Dr. Shane Retty, now Associate Drug Reform Spokesperson, he, he was like, look, this is foreign interference. I think we should change the law to keep this American lobby group out. Um, Chloe Swarbrick from the Greens, she said, hey, look, we don't we don't need these US tactics. And she feels that Sam and the US scaremongers, we don't need this in New Zealand. Look, Sam New Zealand and Sam US were like repeatedly very, very clear with me, told me repeatedly no money is, has been given from the US group to the New Zealand group. Um, yeah, so they were pretty pretty clear about that. They said they're just going to them for you know information um, that, that, that they put out publicly anyway. But it, yeah, it is really interesting that they've chosen to affiliate to a you know big powerful American lobby group to to fight the New Zealand referendum on. And I found it fascinating too, just watching your story, and actually not surprising that when um, um, members of the public were asked about how they feel about um, you know this American lobby group coming in and having influence here, they didn't like it. Um, every single person um, that was spoken to out on the street didn't. They weren't down for that, and I think. That's not surprising, you know, who wants, you know, um, foreign interference or, you know, outsiders coming in telling us how to think, what, how to act and, and all of that. I mean, it's a big debate and a debate we should all welcome and, 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 and have it. Um, but I think we could pretty much uh, take care of it ourselves here in New Zealand. Yeah, and, and I, I think Sam New Zealand were maybe a little bit put out with comments that the um, Sam United States um, executive president made to us where he told us hey i strongly recommend new zealanders to vote against this um and i think they thought hey even that was probably ill-advised he shouldn't have got involved he should have said that's a decision for new zealanders they, they basically made comments to that effect on on radio new zealand a couple of days after our original story went out but also there's some news around um the drug foundation and they've been running ads controversial ads um in in newspapers and, and on tv um they had more than 60 complaints to the advertising standards authority people alleged that these this ad was misleading because it said it would give people better access to medicinal cannabis um they said it was inappropriate to be talking about cannabis on you know on tv now that Advertising Standards Authority, it came back this week and it basically cleared them of misleading or being an inappropriate ad or anything like that. But they did tell the Drug Foundation, hey, you guys need to have your name up on that up on the TV screen for longer so that people do know that you're actually, you've commissioned this ad and that you're behind it. They said it at the moment it was only popping up for a couple of seconds. They wanted it up there for longer. The Drug Foundation said that's fine. They were claiming it as a bit of a win because they didn't 
it wasn't found to be misleading or anything like that. Mm. Mm. And look, one of the other, um, as you briefly mentioned at the, at the start, um, one of the other big things that happened here at Parliament this week was Paula Bennett's retirement, announced retirement from politics come the election. So we talk a bit about that. I mean, yeah. she has been a flamboyant, strong, um, you know, manawahine character around here at Parliament. You know, one one to remember, I think. Um, and and probably, um, you know, many uh, political enthusiasts, whatever your colour, whatever your stripes, will be sad to see her go. I'd say. Yeah, I mean, she, you know, was Deputy Prime Minister um, mm. under Bill English. You know, came right right to the top of. Uh, you know the political system, um, top of the top of the national party. Also, you know, interesting. You know, after obviously getting rolled along with Simon, just deciding, hey, enough's enough. I've done my time in politics. You know, um, time for me to get out. And she's wanting to pursue a bit of a, a career in business. Um, what was interesting though was the um, the comments on the Tuesday. So she announced her retirement on the Monday, and then at caucus run on the Tuesday, there was a bit of interesting sort of back and forth there as um, the MP sort of shuffled past and gave interviews. We had um, Judith, Judith Collins, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. you know, throw, I don't know, what some might call it, a bit of shade maybe um, about the fact that not all women um, fit so um, easily and, and well in the boys club. And I think that was a bit of a, um, a dig in terms of um, Paula Bennett being in the kitchen cabinet, John Key's kitchen cabinet. Um, but also um, when she was asked, look, um, are you sad to see her go Judith Collins said no um not this really is obviously <laughs> yeah the right decision for her yeah. so take read that as you may um and then Bridges obviously came out as well um and and there were a few little um digs there yeah. but I think what we saw um in that reshuffle for Todd Muller um was a bit of a an olive branch perhaps in terms of giving him that foreign affairs portfolio it was obviously mm. held by um Jerry Brownlee um you know he you know, Bridges wanted that. Um, he got it. I think that was probably a strategic move. There is still some small unrest um, yeah. in the party following the the um, the rolling of the former leadership. So I think that was sort of a sort of to try yeah. and e appease. And, and, and I think in hindsight, I think in hindsight, Tom Miller probably thought he should have done that the first time. I think the National Party, you know, even though he got rolled, they like to see their former leaders treated with respect, and that probably didn't happen the first time around. Probably, you know, the heat of the battle was so. Um, uh, yeah, so raw at the time. I think Todd Muller's kind of reflected on that and probably said, hey, yeah, we, we can give him this role, keep him busy. Um, and no skin off Jerry Brownlee's nose, he's got the um, campaign to run. Absolutely. Look, speaking of busy, we're going to have a few busy weeks ahead of us. We've got two weeks of recess for all of those um, listening and watching. We've got two weeks of recess where Parliament basically shuts up shop for, for two weeks and the MPs go back to the electorates. Um, and then we've got the last block um, in terms of um, um, MPs back here sitting. Is it? I think it might be three weeks. Um, and then the House rises and we go into full-blown campaign, campaign mode. mode. And um, that's going to be bloody good fun and we'll still carry on the podcast over that time but look shall we yeah. leave it here hey, and just a little shout out um to a fabulous intern who's been out helping us at um one news and helping film at the um with the podcast as well um to jenna it's her last day with us today thanks very much for all your help 
and also to Connor, who's been mm. helping keep um, the desk uh, warm and helping um, with all the logistics and all of the other um, helpful things and supportive things that they do for us. Um, they're both leaving today, so Cheers, um, we wish them well. Alrighty, that was One News Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering on One News. We're on all of your favourite podcasting apps uh, and all of those social media apps, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's available around this time each week on One News Online. And again, don't forget to check us out on your favourite podcasting app. See Bye. Ya.